This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. And now, from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is the CMO Spotlight. With insight from top executives on how to address the key challenges facing the business world and the marketing industry. Here are your hosts, Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. Hello, and welcome to the CMO Spotlight. I'm Catherine Hayes, and with me in the studio, wait a minute, Jenny's late. Uh, Jenny Rooney, who's the Forbes CMO Network editor, is on the road in traffic and should be joining us soon uh, because we have a very special show for you today. Um, last week, Jenny was in the south of France for the annual Confab that brings together people from throughout the marketing and creative community from all over the world, the Can. Lions Festival of Creativity. I was there a couple of times, a couple of years ago for presentations, um, and it's really a fabulous event to meet and greet and see literally the most creative and uh, at awarded work uh, around the world, very, very internationally oriented. So special for today, we have um, the CMO Spotlight is on four CMOs who were at Cannes and who are going to share with us some of their experiences, what they did, all that good stuff. So great conversations. It's going to be fast and furious. We have the CMO from Duncan, from Deloitte US, from Hyundai, and from WW, formerly known as Weight Watchers. So let's go ahead and jump in and get started. First of all, Tony Weissman is the Chief Marketing Officer of Duncan. He's been there for the last couple of years and has been really instrumental in um, in the transformation of the firm. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Well, you know, and of course, I have to say that I am surrounded by the most amazing Duncan swag. Um, you <laughs> really outdid yourself on this. Literally, listeners, behind me, I have boxes of donuts. There are ice cold coffees. The donuts, uh, I need to say, not only have the Wharton Business Radio logo on it, but there's another one that has Jenny Rooney's face on it. So, what? oh yeah, oh yeah. Um it's it's really pretty fabulous. She doesn't know it, so she's going to show up and be seeing this so. But so I feel like she's actually here in the room with me and certainly her spirit as sweet as she is. How's that? Well, well, we're happy to surround you with that cuz you can just sense it puts you in a good mood, doesn't it? Absolutely. It puts me in a great mood. So, thanks for so much for taking time to to chat with us. So, let's jump right in. Why did you go to Cannes this year? Why do you go to Cannes? Let's just start with that. What's your motivation? Well, I've been going to Cannes for many years on the agency side. This was my first time as a client, and I went for the opportunity to meet many other CMOs. And Jenny was kind enough to bring us all together at a luncheon where I got to meet uh, some old friends and make some new ones. And, um, you know, there are really two big uh, tentpole events for uh, CMOs in the world this day, CES and CAN, and you've got one at the beginning of the year, one in the middle of the year, mm-hmm. and you can count on seeing people there and really being very honest with one another about what you're trying, what you're learning, um, and giving each other tips, and um, you know that's really very helpful. And then secondly, it's really exciting to make connections with people who are uh, bringing new technologies and platforms and concepts into the world, and we like to be able to get into some of these things early and experiment. Um, but mainly it's to be inspired by the work, and at the core of Cannes, mm-hmm. it's always great work. And <clears throat> I've always left Cannes every year with that feeling of, if I was lucky enough to win something, that's great, but I much more, boy, I want to be able to come back and win more next year, and, and you get a sense of where the bar is set for just amazing creativity. I remember um, the first time that I went, I talked to Chuck wow. Porter of yep. Crispin porter Bogusky fame, and um, he said, well, if you're going to go, Catherine, the one thing you have to do, in addition to the rosé and everything else, you have to see the work. Go downstairs at the Palais, and the winners from all the different categories, from outdoor to print to, yep. you know, just everything. And it it truly, I, I, I just took a million pictures for exactly that reason for inspiration. That's really the best advice. I've given that advice to many people. I do spend a lot of time. You sort of just walk through quietly in the basement right. and you look at the shortlisted work and you just, one after the other, you're inspired and 
you know, you, you can't imagine that over the many years that this has been going on in the many categories, um, that every year you see something you've never seen before and you kind of slap yourself in the forehead and you go, God, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and that's why we're in this business, to have big, bold ideas that break into culture and and drive business. So I come away inspired. Well, inspired and also anointed. I understand that you were a winner of the Forbes most world's most influential CMOs again, um, among uh, several other really high powered people. So congratulations. Well, thank you very much. Not bad as a rookie and, yeah. uh, you know, not bad, uh, but I'm, uh, I'm obviously uh, representing a lot of hard work from a lot of hard, uh, a lot of teams uh, across uh, the Duncan brand and our agency partners, and it's it's an honor to represent them. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the themes that you heard this year as you were going up and down the Quasette and on the beaches to the various mm-hmm. events. What what are some of the key themes that you heard that made you stand up and take notice? Well, I think there were several. I think one is you know we've been swimming in data forever, but People are really starting to appreciate the fact that data without insights is meaningless. And um, what you're starting to really appreciate are the real insights that can come out of uh, data-driven marketing and that, um, you know, there's kind of a wheat from the chaff going on. Mm -hmm. And you tend to gravitate toward partners, um, whether they're agency partners, technology partners, media, whatever, who can tell you something about your customer and the business that you didn't really know instead Mm -hmm. of drowning you in data. So that's one. I think the other is um, the reason I love this going on in Cannes is because um, you cannot get overwhelmed by media or technology or platforms. Um, you have to always realize that without great creativity, bringing these insights to life, the customer doesn't care. And so um, this was probably the most balance between you know, the mm. platforms and the creative that I've seen in a long time. In the last few years, the platforms have right. infused with a ton of cash, built Ferris wheels in front of the Palais <laughs> and the like, and have stolen the, the narrative. And it's been more about, you know, is Snap, you know, going to dominate the world kind of thing. And now it's about um, balancing the two and who can do it in the best way. And um, and then I think um, the other thing is that you're you're really starting to break away from a hierarchy of linear TV versus other media channels. Um, I think everyone's starting to recognize that you can do incredible work across, um, you know, a variety of platforms and that uh, good ideas travel. So I think the sort of the, and if you look at the Cannes Awards and you look at the fact that for years and years, they were really sort of built up to the film awards right. uh, and winning a Cannes Lion in film uh, was the highest honor. Now there are others like Glass for Purpose and Titanium for mm-hmm. showing the way forward that are yeah. getting uh, equal, if not greater, billing. And, and the reality is that those matter as much or more as a film. And I, it's nice to see the festival sort of pivot that way. And the, I think that was the the origin of it, right? I think it was after the Cannes Film Festival that it was started to to very much focus on advertising and film. That's exactly right. Yeah. That's why what we would refer to as commercials are referred to as film. <laughs> film. So that our little ad industry could make it feel like we too were making <laughs> films worthy of the Cannes Film Festival that comes a month before. With there's the big, a red with the real carpet. Stars. Yeah, there's yeah. a red carpet. I love it. I love it. So um, did you bring any of your teammates this year or either sort of part of Duncan or agency partners? How does well, that work my, and the, how do you um, how do you work with them? My agency partners were there, but I, I was honored to be on the main stage with one partner, um, the creative director, Tosh Hall, from our design agency, Jones, Knowles, Ritchie, JKR. And we gave a presentation on why we dropped the donuts. And um, mm. so that was kind of the... Um, the focus of my time there was to talk about how we rebranded Duncan, why we dropped the donuts, how we went about it, lessons learned, et cetera. So. Okay. Well, so in we we don't have the main stage here, and we don't have the probably 45 minutes that you had to, to present it, but can you give us a couple seconds, a couple comments about that? And so we we have a uh, an inside scoop on, on what you talked about, because okay. I know well, everybody sure. loves Duncan, so we want to understand. To. Yeah. I would be happy to. I mean, it was an idea that had been bouncing around the halls for quite some time. Uh-huh. And uh, we told the story of how when I came on board, they were way down the path with a different design idea, which was to skinny up the logo and make it look modern and hip and uh, leaning forward. And um, I put the brakes on that and brought JKR in. And in a very short time, they presented a point of view that really was, I thought, very resonant with staying true to our heritage, retaining our 
our wonderful, iconic font known as Frankfurter that was created in 1973, <laughs> mm. but find ways to really have more fun with it and clean it up and make it um, more playful. And so we, the, the overall theme was um, there's been a lot of failures in brand re- refresh mm-hmm. recently, and they tend to happen when you're not true to yourself, when you are doing it without having a good reason. And for us, we stayed very true to our heritage. We leaned very much into the pink and the orange and the white and the bright and the optimistic. And we did have a reason, which is that while we originally began as a business with coffee and donuts, and we still sell a lot of donuts, more than anyone else in America, that more than half of what we sell is beverages, and our future is in coffee and other beverages, and we really wanted to lean into that. So there was a reasonable reason. And by the way, we're known as Duncan. We've been America Runs on Duncan for 15 years as our tagline. In many parts of the world, people go on Duncan Runs. In Boston, directions are given. As you go to the Duncan, you turn left. <laughs> you go to the next Duncan, you turn right. Um, and so all of those are sort of like, um, if you if it's authentic and has a reason and uh, doesn't stretch uh, credibility, then uh, those are some good reasons to do it. Well, I think uh, I think the results have have spoken for themselves, and I think your fans certainly um, feel the the love. Still feel that because I know it's it's very much a brand that people feel an affinity toward. You're sort of a Duncan person. Um, <laughs> I, I know for myself, every time I come to the radio show, I stop on the way and pick up my my Duncan wrap. Um, this time, I'm glad I didn't because I am surrounded by donuts, so I don't have to be quite so healthy this time. Well, you will have another opportunity, I'm sure, today to stop by. <laughs> Will do. Will do. And I will put in a plug and say that uh, you know, a great afternoon treat is our brand new Kit Kat Culotta, which is a partnership with Hershey's, which is our Culotta with real bits of Kit Kat in them. Then I can assure you, it's delicious. It sounds great. And yes, I see that over here. Um, The marketing team did did put some Dunkin' Kit Kats over here just to tempt us. So we're 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 right on brand. Um, So back to Can for a little bit. Uh, So you said a lot of your partners were there, and you presented. Um, what what did you find that was maybe surprising to you as you looked at the work? Something that maybe you hadn't seen before, whether it's, you know, from Creative on a platform or platform using creative or anything that, that stands out to you in the next uh, three minutes for, for what you thought was interesting that the listeners should know about? Well, I think, um, look, I give a lot of credit to my QSR colleagues at Burger King who won the Grand Prix in Titanium mm-hmm. for the Whopper Detour. And as Fernando and the team have pointed out, in many ways, that is the way forward because it's a combination of technology and uh, creativity and operations, mm-hmm. and it took them a year to put it together. And I have great respect for that because it's one of those things that isn't easily categorized, and I love things like that. And I think even though Can tries very hard to break things into press and film and media and PR, et cetera, that the really big ideas do transcend. And, and uh, so I was impressed by that. I think the other thing that uh, I've become, you know, really very proud of, and you look at the Nike work, um, is that more and more brands are really taking a position in the world. And for years, we've talked about purpose, but brands are really living into their purpose, mm-hmm. and the markets are responding to it, and consumers really respond to it. So it's not lip service. Purpose matters, and consumers today want to know why you exist beyond what you want to sell me. And uh, it's great to see brands really living into that and doing so with powerful creative ideas that customers really respond to. One of the things that, that we've talked about on this show before and um, and with other chief marketing officers is how much it's not just customers and potential customers, it's also employees. And in these days, particularly in the United States, with the, with the job market as tight as it is, really having that purpose as, as an extra reason for companies to really be part of you is, is important. So, yeah. Are you yeah, I would t- I totally agree with that. We're very proud of our crew who are not just doing a great job every day to get you in and out and on your way, but they're our brand ambassadors. And they wear the brand on their sleeve, literally. And, um, you know, they're some of the happiest, most uh, welcoming people in the world. And so uh, a number of things we do is to make sure that they know why they're part of this brand and uh, to stay with us and to have other people who haven't yet had the pleasure of joining uh, Duncan to come on in. Thank you so much. Well, guess what? Jenny just came into the into the room. So Jenny has the first opportunity. Tony has provided us with oh, these. What, look at the donuts, huh? My 
goodness, Tony, this is You should see the look insane. on her face. So I just want to make sure that, you know, we know that I want the audience to know that these donuts with Jenny's face on it and the sprinkles that match my dress were from after you got the most influential uh, uh, CMO, not before. So this, uh, unless there was a sort of a tit for tat in terms of 30 donuts with your face oh on it, Jenny. Gosh. I don't know. Tony, thank you so much. That's, that is over the top. I love it. I love it. Love well, it, love it. it's entirely my pleasure, and I hope you like your likeness on a donut. And no, yeah, full disclosure, this was after the list came out, so yeah. I did not bribe my way on the list with a donut. Um, well, listen, I also want to congratulate you on that, too. Uh, for people who don't know, it's a list that we launch every year, uh, and we honor 50 uh, CMOs who are, who are absolutely driving transformation within their organizations and um, building their brands and businesses um, um, for success, just as you have at Duncan. So, Tony congrats. Weissman, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure. Welcome back from Cannes, and uh, we'll look forward to hearing more from Duncan as we go along. Appreciate Thanks it. Thanks so much. Great chatting. Thanks, with you. Tony. Take care. Wonderful. Uh, so great to have you here in the studio, Jenny. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Thanks for the traffic. Um, and now we're going to uh, talk to our next guest on our special Cannes Lions Festival of Creativity Yay. show. We have with us uh, Suzanne Kunkel, yes. Kunkel, who's the CMO of Deloitte U.S. Welcome to the show, Suzanne. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hi, Suzanne. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How about yourself? Good. Have you come off the high of last week? <laughs> Not quite yet. Not quite but, yet. Uh, yeah. Well, there's the, there's <laughs> two parts of it. Last. There's two parts of it, right? There's the high of last week, and then there's the catching up on all of the uh, work that you weren't doing, and then all the new action items that you got from all the wonderful meetings. I would think, right? It's a very good point. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so let's talk about Can a little bit. Um, maybe just start by saying why did you decide to go? Why did you decide to invest the time to be there? Yeah. Okay. Great question. Um, so Deloitte has been going for probably, I don't know, for quite some time actually. Um, and we go there for three reasons. Um, the first is, uh, you know, we absolutely bring our own creatives there. So we have a number of, we have an in-house agency. We also have a number of agencies that um, we have in our ecosystem that do work for clients, right? So those um, individuals um Go just like any creatives would, um, and so that's great. And that we, um, you know, did a couple of product launches at the uh, at the festival this year. We also, um, obviously, always are trying um, to vie for um, lions as well. So that's that's always a big piece of why we're there. We, for the last probably four years, have had a relationship with the Young Lions School, uh, mm-hmm. which we're very proud of. So we dean the Young Young Lions School, which is uh, you know up and coming marketing. Um, uh, leaders around the globe. So that's always fun. Um, and then last but not least, we do a fair amount of work there as well with um, several of our marquee partnerships. So that's always a fun, um, which, which again, I think is sort of a theme of um, CAN in the last multiple years. Is, mm. You know, it's a world in which um, it's better to go it together than go it alone. So, um, so we definitely like to do a lot of things. Like this year, um, we did a lot of uh, work with the SAP um, Goals House, uh, which was great. Um, so... As, for, and as an example of that. For people who don't know, Suzanne, you know, people who perhaps have never been to CAN before and, you know, a lot of these activations, a lot of these collaborations, uh, you know, what would you want to tell them? What, what do you think that they sh- they need to know about how perhaps what happens in CAN and the conversations that happen in CAN and collaborations and partnerships um, that happen there may in some way, you know, impact what they're doing in marketing, right? Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's all meant to sort of benefit the industry as a whole. So maybe you can touch on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's a big part of it. I mean, CAN is really, uh, you know, I always say it's a privilege because, um, you know, if, you, if you're a CHRO um, or a CTO even or a CEO, th- th- there really is not an a-, a good analog for the um, unique balance of CAN. And that's a great balance because it's not only the competition, right? So people are looking to show up and um, and really kind of, you know, have pride in their work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a camaraderie amongst the shared uh, purpose and shared profession um, that is really very palpable, which is which is great. Um, and I would say that um, you know your toughest critics and your um, most rewarding 
competitors, right, are all there. So it's a great time to launch things on that stage. Um, and it certainly is a great time as well to do things collectively. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought was just outstanding this year was showing how when we all take the superpowers that we have and point them at some of the world's, world's biggest problems, the impact that we can have on those things. So that was um, very, very impressive. Um, and so for people that are there, it's just a magical time to have a lot of meetings, um, a lot of inspiration, um, being surrounded by the work that you just don't get in any other kind of five-day activity, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're not there as well, there's a lot that's written about it and a lot of things, you know, what we what we like to do is we send people to um, – the Young Lions School, we um, ask our creatives to come back and do debriefs and that sort of thing. So um, so there's lots of ways to get some of the halo effect of the things that happen at Cannes, even if you weren't physically at Cannes. It's interesting, Catherine, I, being there, the, the concept that kept coming to my mind, um, Suzanne, was it, it was it felt like it was the can of ands, not ors. <laughs> you know, yeah. they're just nice. And now more than ever before. And um, of course, I can't draw those examples to mind right at the moment. But in every conversation I was having, it seemed it wasn't about or it was about how 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 you can do both, how you can have both, how you can work with both. <laughs> you know, what how I mean? you get, yeah, how you do better when you have both. I, yeah. yeah, I was I was on several panels and I always say that we live in a land of and not or. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, both a blessing and a little bit of a curse because it does, re, you know, require focus and, and discipline. But absolutely. Um, and one of my big takeaways this year was I've really felt like we've come a long way with, um, again, in this notion of creative alongside data, alongside technology, is I really felt like it was a different, that conversation's in a different place. And to your point, it's not about or, right? It is absolutely about and, and how can you make sure that data and tech enable the creativity in a way that, um, you know, historically just hasn't been the case. Mm. Well, thinking about the work, is there anything in particular, especially that notion of creative and, and data and tech uh, coming together, but any of the work that really stood out for you or that, you know, made you go, oh, my gosh, that's that's really powerful. Anything come to mind? Yeah, there. well, there were lots of, lots of different things. I mean, there were... Um, you know, one of the things, what I like to do when I'm there is every night they have the awards and it's just an, a neat place to be is in the amphitheater when they give out the awards and the teams come up and that sort of thing. So you get both, you know, the a feel for the awards, but you also see the teams that are mm-hmm. behind it and all that sort of thing. And um, so that, that to me is, is really sort of a magical um, place to be. Um, so I thought there were some very interesting things in, um, you know, some of the PR campaigns um, and very specifically one of the things, one of the notions that came up in a really strong way is that, you know, this notion about PR providing input to campaigns, not just being an output from campaigns, right? And so like really dramatically changing the way you think about things. Um, Again, I think some of the, um, you know, AI things that enable Mm -hmm. creativity, the creative part of it. Um, I thought were were very impressive. Uh, one of our agencies, um, Heat, launched a Heat AI solution, which is really pretty incredible around um, this notion of uh, relevance and when relevance um, kind of tops a personalization. And so that was a big um, launch for us that, of course, I was, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but I thought that was, um, you know, that was very impressive and inspiring, um, particularly given sort of the broader environment that we're in these days around personalization. I thought that was um, that was uh, very well received. Um, so, I, I I think the inspiration was, you know, sort of every everywhere in big and small moments, actually. You know, um, Suzanne, we were a part of. Um, there's so much that's been happening at Can over the years around um, um, gender diversity and and um, in a lot of the purpose issues that we that you and I both are very well aware of and that you hear about at the event. And you and I were part of a conversation with other women CMOs um, and just talking about the uniqueness of, of, uh, of being a woman in this industry and sort of being a woman in the, the senior most um, executive role in marketing. Um, any thoughts or reflections on that, either from conversations you were a part of or, you know, conversations? I mean, actually, I moderated a panel. And it just so happened that 
everyone on that panel, all the CMOs were, happened to be women, you know, which I think is a um, was not by design, but it was a wonderful um, um, case of uh, of uh, of just happenstance. So talk a little bit about how that has become so front and center and also how you as a as an executive uh, benefit from those kinds of conversations and interactions with uh, with other women in the industry and in terms of how they're talking about how to navigate um, both the challenges and opportunities of the role. Yeah, a- absolutely. And the the panel that you moderated, um, you know, you always do such a nice job, but it was just that, that inspiration by your peers, right, is um, is a great part about CAN as well. Yep. And I actually was on a panel, which, again, coincidentally ended up being all female um, on Friday morning. And mm-hmm. one of the comments that the woman that I was on stage with said was exactly that. She said, the thing that's been so inspiring to me is this week I've been on any number of panels where they happen to have been all female. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, CMO panels, but that weren't necessarily on you know gender in and of itself. So, yep. so I think that's I think that's very incredible, and it, again, it shows another way in which the profession is leading the way. Um, but I think the important part of it as well is this. You know, I would say two things. Right, one is that um, there's a there's a recognition, I believe, that the role of marketing in the C-suite has changed pretty dramatically, mm-hmm. and right. part of what the expectation around that is is around things like, you know, collaboration and enabling and um, yeah, I... having empathy yeah. and you know all of those sorts of things, which historically and and you know traditionally are associated with female leadership. So I do think that it's a great time to be. Um, you know, a female CMO, um, because a lot of those um, things that we, again, stereotypically bring to the table um, and do naturally are in very high demand. So I think um, I think that's great. I think the other reason why it's important is this notion that in order to really land a message with your audience, you need to be inclusive, right, right? with respect yep. to the messages and who they're seeing sure. um, in your work. And um, so I think that's a that's a equally fabulous place to be um, with all of that activity. And there's no there's no doubt that some of that, um, you know, that the historical conversation around gender and diversity um, has helped. Suzanne, I know that this was a quick conversation. We hope to have you back on the show soon. Um, it's really been a pleasure. Thanks for sharing your insights uh, about yeah. CAN. Appreciate Thank it. you. Thanks. Suzanne Kunkel is the CMO of Deloitte U.S. Stay tuned for the next part of our show. You're listening to the CMO Spotlight on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. And welcome back to the special edition of the CMO Spotlight. This week, we're going to be talking about uh, CAN, which happened last week. Um, very exciting. So Jenny was there. Do you want to just tell us briefly about CAN, Jenny? Sure. So it's uh, it's called the Can Lions International Festival of Creativity. So it's a That's mouthful. It's a nice mouthful. Can um, Lions for short. Can Lions for short is the name of the award. Uh, it started decades ago. Historically, it was a, a, a chance for advertising creatives from around the world to come together and celebrate their work. And over the years, um, it's it's just completely morphed into being one of the biggest festivals of, of the year, um, drawing um, all kinds of agency executives, client-side CMOs, ad tech companies, media platforms, uh, you name it. It's basically every 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 company that makes up, uh, comprises the marketing advertising brand ecosystem uh, descends on CAN for a week. And uh, in particular, automotive CMOs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so uh, let's welcome our guest. Our next guest is Dean Evans. He's the chief marketing officer for Hyundai. Welcome to the show, Dean. Oh, uh, wow. Thank you. Thank Hi, you, Dean. Guys. So you're back. You're you're rested. Hopefully, you're. you're you've, I still uh, have a frog in my throat. Uh, oh, <laughs> yes, it was awful time. That, yeah, that oh, you're back. Man. You're back physically, but <laughs> yeah, I'm so, a ramp up slow in my head. There exactly. you go. Well, so tell us. Um, let's just start by why why go to Cannes as a chief marketing officer. We know why agencies go to to win awards. Obviously, they have it for marketers now too. But but tell us why your your motivations for being there. Yeah, well, like Jenny had just said a minute ago, um, you know, it's where all the creative power is resonating in one place at one time in a really beautiful location. So um, this was my first year, um, and I was really blown away by 
all of what Jenny just said, because it is kind of that whole ecosystem and the creativity is kind of the North Star of the whole thing. Um, so I was honored to be there, and we, I learned a lot and had a really great time. I should say, you were this, you, this was your first time there, and I talked to a lot of CMOs this year for whom... This was their first time. This was their first time going to Cannes, which I found really fascinating because I think we've seen it go in sports over the years, right? And uh, mm-hmm. but this year, I, I I felt the presence of more CMOs than ever before. So, uh, but Dean, you you know you had a lot going on there. Um, you you had uh, quite a presence on the beach, right? In a in a cabana as <laughs> as they do. Mm-hmm. Um, you had your agency partner, your agency there, of course, and um, also um, representatives of some partnerships you're doing. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that. I know you you walked me through some 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 innovation that that you're leading uh, at Hyundai right now. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, we um, were there to um, really pitch with Live Nation um, and launch what we think is a really great um, customer centric way to view concerts today in the new augmented reality um, platform that we've been um, developing together. Um, it's going to give consumers a really phenomenal new way to experience either the show um, live through their phones and get more out of the event um, or at home and you dial in and even throw it up on the big TV in your living room, it really allows you to experience a live nation of um, music event like you've never seen before with added definition and, and, and color, et cetera. It's so cool. Um, so we're really forward to that. We've launching our Sonata in the midst of all that. We're going to throw the car both at the events in a more traditional, experiential way, but the car is also going in the viewer in very creative ways. So our brand and our beautiful new car, the Sonata, is is going to be seen. Um, We kind of laughed and we called it kind of a new virtual experiential um, platform that we're looking at where you're combining the two um, at a powerful event like a Live Nation event. So that's really what we were doing with Live Nation, and uh, we were really excited about that and got a lot of uh, really good feedback and a lot of good attaboys for that. So we were happy with that. Well, what was your metric? You know, what kind of, like, how do you view ROI on that kind of an activation or media presence there? You know, what what do you hope to have? Or maybe not ROI. Did, did you want to have happen? Yeah, no, we, we in September um, is when we're going to do the event in Atlanta at the festival there. Um, you know, I just want to make sure a lot of people got to see our physical car there on the ground that day. And so we'll be able to measure all of that with your traditional hand raiser numbers. And did you really want to buy it? And so we have dealer leads if the customer's really that excited about it. Um, and then we'll obviously have viewership within the, the app and the digital views and get some idea of things like they'll be able to configure the car if they really want and get involved there. So there'll be a little deeper engagement stuff. Um, And there'll be metrics both, you know, that local market, but then everyone dialed in. Um, One of the things I'm really looking forward to um, learning with Live Nation is, will this really trigger even more um, off or online viewership for these events because this experience is so much better? So I'm hoping that the scale of eyeballs goes up with what we're doing here overall. So there's a few that are, you know, I'll hopefully come back to selling more cars or make people think we're cooler <laughs> while they're not ready to buy a car, but maybe keep us in mind for later. Well, listen, I want to first say, Dean, congratulations again for being named to the Forbes World's Most Influential CMOs list, because that's quite a coup. Um, oh, and it's oh, recognition for, for, for CMOs who are, who are um, you know, they're using your, their voices and visibility and platforms for driving change inside their organizations more broadly in the marketing advertising industry. And then, of course, thirdly, in society and culture. And I think you, um, you know, innovation is such a key component of, of, of sort of how you're defined as a CMO. You do so much with Super Bowl, right? I mean, you've done so many different, um, mm-hmm. um, um, so much work in the Super Bowl. Then to go to Cannes for the first time and sort of, you know, this sort of experimentation, if you will, with AR, I mean, how do you regard innovation for you as a chief marketing officer? How do you think, you know, what's the priority um, and, and how do you regard what you need to be doing in that, in that area? Yeah, um, very good questions about innovation. Um, thanks. Um, I know that um, we need to stay ahead uh, and be in the forefront of, of new things as they roll out. There's a lot of new things that roll out. So, you know, vetting what you're doing and how does it really 
ROI back to the business, whether it's something what we call a shiny object and it's really brand motivated um, and it's completely selfless, um, or is it something that's really e-commerce or commerce, you know, component? Um, you got to kind of do a mix of those kind of things. Um, and so that's what guides us. I mean, one of the things I took back from Cans is when, when, the, when all the awards were thrown out there, McDonald's got a lot for the commerce that they've been doing with their app and consumer change. Mm-hmm. But Nike's out there changing hearts with a, with a real good, powerful social responsibility voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to me, you got to be kind of in those two worlds. Mm-hmm. You've got to be selling more burgers and winning more hearts. And so I'm trying to, we're trying to do the same thing in Hyundai with this innovation, doing both of those things in those camps with the latest and greatest when it makes sense. It's back to that and. It's, it's about and this year. It's about and, not or. You know, and it's that, always that... about and because I'm always anding my CFO. <laughs> <laughs> With mixed results, I'm sure, but that's fun. Yes, optimizing. <laughs> so, any, any, uh, in the, we've got uh, about another minute. Um, just any of the work that you saw that stood out that um, listeners should go try to find online in way, uh, in, in addition to the great work that you did, which it sounds really fascinating and using the technology. Anything else that you saw that is remarkable? Um, yeah, I think going back again to what I find really remarkable is is the brands like Nike who are, you know, those are gutsy moves for CMOs. You know, you have people that aren't very popular, but you have a lot of people that think that point of view is very popular. Um, and you drive that right down the center lane of the of the court, and they've been very successful there. So I would encourage people to not just look at Nike, but all of that work. Go look at the can um, summaries that are out there um, and be inspired by them um, like I was. And I think, again, the theme there is, is, you know, it's not just cause marketing anymore. It is how we market with really great places in our North Stars and our Y definitions. And I think that's, that, that's what I would say to go look for and you'll see a lot of that. Will you go back next year? Um, I really hope so. I would like to, yes. Uh, that yeah, he's gonna go. I can tell. There's nobody I can there. Tell. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the other thing, just quickly to mention with Nike, is the, the the results are there too. They were gutsy. They took a stand. Yeah, they've been award winning. But um, but the the results in terms of their business success continues too. So um, pretty impressive. Well, I know this is a quick a quick show this time, but thank you so much, Dean Evans, yeah, the, for thank for you. being with us today and giving us a taste of what the experience is. You know, especially uh, for a first timer. Absolutely, excellent. Appreciate Congrats. it. Thank you and congratulations. Thanks, mm-hmm. Dean Evans is the chief marketing officer for Hyundai. Joining us now is Gail Tifford. She's the chief brand officer of WW, formerly known as Weight Watchers. Welcome to the show, Gail. Thank you. Hi, Gail. Hi. So great to have you with us on our very special um, Can Lions Festival of Creativity show. So let's just go ahead and start. Why did you decide to go? Well, I mean, I think every year, I think I've been going to Can. You know, it is, I think, the largest gathering of advertising, creative media, the entire industry. And, um, you know, I, I really go to, to glean insights, to get inspiration and to, to make connections. Which comes at an optimal time for you, obviously, Gail, because you have a lot going on at the company and, and everything yeah. that you've been overseeing. So talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, obviously, even if you can just absorb, you know, an ounce of what of the conversation and the innovation and the focus of can, right, for people who don't know about it or have never been, it's just this it's so enveloping, right? It surrounds you so substantially that you can't you can't help but just like soak in everything, all the conversation and the expertise that's that's around you. But for 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 you in your case, you know that's that's got to be particularly beneficial because you are sort of leading uh, the brand into a new transition. So maybe you can kind of talk about that and how those two things come together. Oh yeah, definitely. So you know, I, I it's funny. I mean, it's it is a luxury to be able to get out of the office and and your day to day to really be in an environment where, um, you know, all you really have to think about is, you know, what is inspiring you? What is going to make your brand better? How are you going to reach more consumers? And, you know, fortunately for me, the, the trends that I was seeing at Can, whether they were um, panels, 
that I was speaking on or um, conversations or dinners that I had been invited to. I, I think the, the topics of conversation were really right up um, my alley in terms of what's on my mind. So, you know, first and foremost, there was a lot of conversation and talk about purpose-driven brands. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and it's so, I mean, one of the reasons um, and, and actually the biggest reason that I came to WW uh, was because it was, you know, I think one of the pioneers in in um, the, in being a purpose-driven brand. And and when I think about Jeet Neidich, who is our founder, which a female founder, which I love, which plays into you know the the gender equality and gender balance conversation, um, she she has this quote that I just love. And she was ahead of her time, and she said about the brand, you know, we don't simply give you a method of losing weight. What it is is a new way of life, mm-hmm. and you know, to to me, our 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 mission, um, why we exist, is really to inspire healthy habits for, you know, for people, for communities, for the world, and so, um, so you know, being able to talk to people and hear people speak about um, about purpose driven brands was was so important because I think, you know, some of the the concerns out there. Um, is that there are a lot of people who really do talk about trying to change the world. And, um, and so I feel very, very fortunate to work for a brand that our product, not only does our product actually transform lives, but, um, you know, the, the broader mission um, of the brand is to, to try and change the health trajectory of the world. So that, to me, was the perfect, perfect um, conversation and timing for, for me to be there. I think one know, of the things another, that I just yeah, just a, yeah. a quick aside. One of the things that I just yeah, read yeah. about um, it that's big in the news right now is uh, the problem of heart disease in the United States. That it's on the rise after having been uh, declining for so long, and that the number one reason that's driving it, unfortunately, is obesity and oh, yeah. uh, and overweight. So. Indeed, you literally uh, have the opportunity to save lives and to, I, I love how you put it, impact on people, community, and the world. And uh, people and community go together to really uh, make those sorts of changes happen. So indeed, it's at the core of what it is that you offer. It's mm-hmm. not something that's pasted on over mm-hmm. top. It is at the core that's exciting. That's exactly it. And the statistics, the statistics you just you know touch on are, they're um, really, really scary. And you look at yeah. this like, you know, the, the wellness economy, which I think now they're estimating it at like four and a half trillion dollars, yet we've never, ever been as unhealthy as a society right. over the world. So 40 percent of adults on the planet right. are either already overweight. And someone told me this crazy statistic, and I, and I could be perpetuating, you know, a rumor because I don't have the data source, but they said that a two-year-old child has a better chance of being obese. Um, than going to college. And mm. I, I, you know, and, and this is something that is, you know, it's all over the world. It's not just mm-hmm. um, in, in the United States. And so working for, you know, a global company is something that um, was really, really uh, important to me. So moving from the Weight Watchers name to WW, just tell people, you know, listeners about why, what was the impetus behind that? Why did that seem to be the right direction for you to head in? Yeah, I mean, look, the, I think the the brand had been on this trajectory for years, um, and if you talk to to any of our members, um, really what they talk about is um, they don't really talk about the weight they've lost. They they talk about how their lives have been transformed, mm-hmm. and um, and so when I joined this company almost a year and a half ago, um, this role didn't even exist. Uh, which is which is really interesting. So there was never really a, one global brand organization, and even in the U.S. alone, 15 different logos for, for for the business. Wow. So you know, so having you know under Mindy's leadership and and creating this role was something that um, was really really important. Um, and so you know the the move to WW was really. Um, how can we truly reflect our mission um, to focus on overall health and well-being? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very, we wanted to make it very clear, we're not moving away from weight. We will always be the best weight loss program in the world. Um, but we want to evolve to be the world's partner in wellness. And, and that's because our members are, you know, even if you look at our food program right now, Freestyle, it is clinically proven um, to make people feel happier, sleep better and lose weight. And so 
with you know with a, a name like Weight Watchers, we weren't getting credit for all of the things that we really were doing in the space and and want to do more in the areas of sleep and stress and you know the entire ecosystem. So it was really important. And then you know, truth be told, um, we wanted to build on the legacy. So we're not ashamed of our legacy, or our heritage, but there are a lot of of audiences and, and new people that we wanted to reach that would never even consider the brand um, with the name Weight Watchers because it had become so stigmatized, you know, talking about weight, talking about weight when the conversation has really shifted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even though people may want to lose weight, they're talking about being healthy and taking care of themselves. And so, you know, I think we, we're really trying to um, – build off our past, but also build towards the future. You know, you were on a panel um, that I was moderating, Gail, and, and the conversation took went in the direction of, you know, when you're sort of a CMO, it, there's this assumption that you have a short period of time to sort of prove your value, right, and prove your worth because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a position on the hot seat. Um, and, the, you know, and the question is around how do you sort of, you know, how do you balance those short-term wins that sort of show that you're making an impact versus how do you put put in the time and, make and, and you know, put forth the initiatives that are obviously going to sort of um, set up the brand and business for long-term growth. So um, you being there, what, a year and a half, you said, yeah. How, how have you sort of navigated the first year and a half? Because it's, you don't get... Well, I'm still here. I'm yeah. still here. <laughs> Yay! Again, it's not two years yet. It's not. You know, I think it's what's interesting. Um, and I think I was doing it subconsciously, and now I'm really glad that I did. But, you know, when, when I first got in, um, I really looked at the landscape and said, what, what are some quick wins, um, you know, that are really with are really important to the brand, like really um, acts of reappraisal. And, um, and so for me, one of the big things that in looking at, for example, our consumer products line, um, we had just come out with our impact manifesto and our new vision. Um, you know, we have a, a purpose filter that literally like every activity we put through and, you know, and questions like, will this inspire people to make progress? Will this reinforce a sense of community? You know, does this um, help build an aspirational brand? And, and we, so I took the consumer products portfolio and when we went through the purpose filter, it failed miserably. Wow. And the reason was because we had seven, I think it was almost 70% of, um, of the products of the, um, were, had artificial ingredients and coloring in it. And, you know, we, we sat around and we said, listen, if we're really serious about this, we need to change this. And not only do we now need to change it, we need to, you know, redevelop the products and also relaunch all the packaging around the world. Mm. And, um, and so that was something that um, making that decision, we put a ton of resources behind it. And within a year, we were really able to transform the, the products. Now, within the first three to four months, we started to see um, what it looked like and, and started to see some impact. So, you know, it's funny. Did I set out to like do that immediately? No, but in looking at what the brand was trying to accomplish, looking at what our purpose was, you know, uh, the the piece of our business that was sticking out like a sore thumb, I think that became a really important um, a really important problem for us to solve and a great way to rally the organization around something to sort of be the you know a beacon of light for for the new brand. So mm-hmm. I do think um, sh- quick wins are really really critical, but they also can't distract you from the long term vision. And so I think it's it's a balancing act and really learning how to you know to do that. Um, it's almost like raising children. I think about <laughs> it. You know, my children are now you know when they're young, and it's like every little thing you want to do the right thing and in the moment make the right decision. Yeah knowing that you're building towards the long term so they can be, you know, grown adults. So like I said, they're still just teenagers, but they're doing okay. You, you awesome. have you have big smiles here in, 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 this, in the studio. Yeah, we, relate for sure. And I think and I think what's really fascinating is I think this really gets to the core of the the role of chief marketing officers, chief brand officers anymore that has evolved, that the first thing that you did was change the product. And the packaging, so not another media campaign, da, 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 but this is gets to the to the real essential part, probably the most important touch point for uh, a consumer potential consumer is 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 what the 
what the product actually is comprised of. Oh, a hundred percent. And right. just to give you another example of that, and I'm, you know, and, and that's where the conversation, Cam, I found so interesting is because there were, there are a lot of brands that are just, you know, they have one full campaign. Are the products actually then, you know, reflecting that? And, and are you actually taking some sort of action that's going to change society? And just, just to that point, an, an example of something else that we did, well, two other things. One is, um, you know, besides, you know, our look and feel, but um, it used to be that um, you could only come into our program if you wanted to lose weight. And we felt like if we were really, our mission was to inspire healthy habits for life. So we, um, we created a um, access into our program that you either, if you wanted to set a weight loss goal, you could do that. Or if you just wanted to, to learn healthy habits, you could do that as well. And so that was a really big um, first for us. And then the second thing that we did was we launched um, a, our first ever rewards program. And unlike any other rewards program, most of them, I love this, it's like, you know, they reward you for spending more money. Um, well, this program, actually our rewards program, um, rewards you for taking actions that um, lead to the creation of healthy habits. And so for every time you do that, you get wins and then you can redeem them for partnerships or merchandise. So to that point, um, you know, we were sort of innovating on, on all aspects um, of our of our product. You know, it's back to the can context again. You know, it sounds like that's the kind of stuff, you know, you working through this this experience, this work, you know, to be able to go there and, and, and talk to your, your peer CMOs who, who are probably dealing with very, very similar situations if completely different products and, and industries to bounce those ideas off of them. Talk about that. You know, I mean, what kind of experience is that for a CMO to have that camaraderie and have that opportunity to 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 ask questions of your peers and, and sort of give them have them give you their complete candid feedback on on the things that you're trying to drive. Uh, you know, I, I, it's pretty amazing. And um, I have been really fortunate to over the years that I've been going create these relationships with other CMOs. Now, I must say most of them are women and they are badass women. And we've just, you know, we really enjoy each other kind of personally and professionally. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, we, we, are definitely able to bounce things off each other. I'm always, I always know that they're going to be really honest with me. And sometimes when you get to this level, it's, it's hard, right? Because most people that you work with work for you or, you right. know, work for your peers. And so I find it um, hard to get really honest feedback inside the walls of our organization. And so I often turn to, you know, my peers who have the same struggles to say, look, am I talking to myself? What do you think? And, yeah. um, and it's, it's become a really, really great resource. Um, and by the way, I mean, the, the other thing is, you know, great partnerships come out of it, too. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to the CMO of one retailer and, um, you know, she was talking about how her consumers, they just, they want to lose weight. And I was like, well, guess what? I have an idea. <laughs> I have an idea. I so just, we, you know, a lot of the, a lot of partnerships come out. Um, just in having time to share things and have conversations. It can be very serendipitous. Um, yeah. and, and that's that's probably the one of the great messages from, from CAN. So thank you so much, Gil thank Tipper, you, Gil. for being with us today. We oh, really appreciate so, and look, it. I met you in CAN. So see Yay, you. <laughs> I know. You'll have to meet Catherine next. So I, I, I'm I next. I will find another opportunity. Fantastic. Thank you so much. I Thanks. I love to. Thanks. Okay, have a great day. You too. Take care. And thanks to our listeners. Thanks to Michelle Stucker and Daniel Bruno for helping us put the show together. Stay tuned for the next CMO Spotlight. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 